You're listening to the USC Christian Challenge podcast. Produced by students and staff at the University of Southern California, we seek to connect and equip students to know Jesus, live lives that are honoring to Him, and to make Him known to their communities. You can learn more about us at uscchristianchallenge.com and connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at USC Challenge. Welcome to Challenge. So yeah, as... Devin said the message tonight is called Uniquely You. Um, And this refers to the fact that God has created each and every one of us uniquely. You know, God is not in the assembly line business. He doesn't churn out humans like using a cookie cutter or anything like that. Rather, he uniquely crafts each and every person with purpose and and intent. Um, And as you look through the Bible, there's a lot of really uh, spectacular, I think, verses that, that show us that this is True, I, I put up a couple here on the screen. Uh, Psalm 139, 13, you knit me together, you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus. And, and even where we exist in time and, and where we were born and uh, where we are right now, all of that was meticulously planned by God and, and is unique to us. Acts 17.26, he made from one man, every nation of mankind, to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. I think this is just a uh, a beautiful picture of just the creativity of our creator, the care of our creator, the intimacy of our creator. Um, but before, before we get too far down into this topic, I do wanna make something clear because I think it's important to point out, this does not mean that we are perfect. Uh, you know, sin has come in, and has disrupted things in catastrophic ways. So as you're hearing this, we can't say, well, I was born like this. This is just how God made me to excuse the sin in our lives. You know, the Bible says we were born into sin. So God did not uniquely make you to be a jerk or be a liar or anything like that. that that's not what this is talking about. But, you know, God has you know, uniquely created each of us with different personalities, talents, uh, interests, even, you know, what we look at, like where we were born, all of that. Uh, not by random, not, not just, again, <laughs> using a cookie cutter or something like that, but really with intent, with, with purpose. Um, but I don't, I don't think this is surprising, honestly, to, to, to anyone on this call. You know, I'm sure we all know that. Um, Dora the Explorer, Elmo, probably told you you were special as a kid. You know, we, we all kind of know that, oh, yeah, we, we are unique. Uh, you could just look around on this on this call right now and see just the diversity and, and the different talents and giftings people have. And it's incredible to see. I, I don't think that is what trips us up. I think what trips us up is how we handle this knowledge and this fact. You know, I think we take this, what is really a beautiful truth that, <laughs> that we are all different and unique and have unique gifting. And, and we take it and turn it into something that I think is rather ugly in comparison. Uh, we compare and we compete. And, you know, rather than rejoicing in who we are, rather than, you know, really praising God for that, we look around at other people and measure ourselves by them. If you're more of a, a prideful person and fall more into that kind of arrogant side of the, the spectrum, if you will, you know, you hear you're special and you think, well, obviously I'm special. It's about time you noticed. And, you know, you can kind of get puffed up and, and, and you really start to look down on other people if you're not careful. And I'm glad I'm not like them. Or, you know, my, my personality is just, it's just better for, for ministry. And we have these thoughts that go through our heads. You know, I'm studying engineering at USC and, 
you know, the, the joke around the engineering schools, you know, people who study math and science are just smarter. So we don't know really what Annenberg is up to. Uh, you know, it's just better to be an engineer. Um, everyone, everyone knows that. Uh, now, what do you think God, who masterfully, masterfully crafted some people on this call to, yeah, sorry, Chandler, uh, I see you there in the chat, uh, the truth hurts, but no, no, what do you think God, who, who masterfully crafted some people on this call to be gifted in words and communicating, you know, what do you think God would, would say to that? Um, you know, if everyone were an engineer, we could build some very interesting things, but no one would know about them because no one is communicating. A, our uniqueness is not a cause to put ourselves above anyone. And then maybe you're on the other side of that. Maybe you think about your uniqueness and how other people are unique. And that just kind of brings you down because you think things like, well, I, I wish I was like that other person. You know, something must be wrong with me. Maybe God. Uh, <laughs> yes, the truth does hurt sometimes. Um, maybe God made a mistake. We think things like that. Um, even though God, again, uniquely created us, it, the psalmist says he, he knit us together in our mother's womb. You know, I am also introverted. Um, and I've had the thought many times that, well, I, I wish I was just more talkative. I would be so much better uh, in ministry if I was extroverted. And I think this, again, even though God has meticulously created me to be an introvert, and even though I've seen as I've, as I've tried to walk with God, how he's really used my introversion uh, to, you know, connect with different people who you extroverts would just scare away and stuff like that. Uh, despite that, I still compare myself. Um, but if it's true that God uniquely created each of us uh, with purpose and intent, um, as you know, this master craftsman, uh, comparison just doesn't make sense. And, and we don't only compare, we also compete with each other. We try to leverage what is unique about us and our skills and our talents to get ahead or get some kind of status. You know, I remember when I first started doing this, speaking uh, at Challenge and discovering that God had um, gifted me in that way, I, I was excited about that. You know, I was feeling good. And I came to challenge one day and I saw that Ian was doing sound check and Ian had never spoken at challenge before, but I saw that and I was like, oh no, he's going to be better than me. And I don't know where that thought came from. I, I hadn't even heard him speak yet. Um, and then he did a good job. And I was like, oh no, like I was just like threatened by this, uh, you know, okay, well, how can I be better? How can I be the best? And, and you know, I turned uh, serving God and, 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 you know, really just <laughs> using using what he had given me to, to, to serve him and praise him back into some kind of competition. Uh, that That's not really what God had in mind, is it? Um, but, but we do this all the time rather than celebrate, you know, Ian and his um, speaking ability. I was just threatened and worried that, oh no, you know, what, what does this mean for me? Um, and so a lot of times we don't realize this, but what is happening when we compare and compete? Uh, we're actually just creating divisions amongst ourselves. You know, sometimes it's really subtle, but we're creating division. You know, I'm different. I don't belong. I'm better. I'm above. Uh, but this really isn't what God had in mind. Um, if you look at the, the rest of these verses, um, kind of the second half of all these verses, you see more what God did have in mind when he created us uniquely. Verse 14 in that Psalm, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. It draws your attention to God not to other people, not to yourself. Uh, Ephesians 2.10, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And then Acts verse 27 there in chapter 17, uh, God put us in our unique places that they should seek God and perhaps feel their work towards him and find him, yet he is actually not, too, not far from each one of us. You see, 
God created us uniquely, not that we would look around at each other, not that we would compare and compete, but rather that we would really turn to him, give him praise, uh, humble ourselves and submit to him. You know, God, you have given me everything I have, everything I am. It is all because of you and how you have created me. How would you like me to serve you? What would you like me to do with that? And so rather than a cause for division, rather this is supposed to unify us around the common goal of giving glory to our creator who created us all. It's the picture that uh, Peter paints in uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. He says, uh, oh, this is uh, verses 10 and 11. Sorry about that. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be along the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You see, our uniqueness is not really our own. Rather, it is a stewardship from God. And we are called to be faithful with what we're given, what we're gifted in, and how God has, how God has wired us. So really, the, the title of this message should be Uniquely You for Who? And the answer is it's really not for us. Now, everything you have is from God, and thus he gets to choose what you need to do with your skills, your talent, your background. It is a stewardship that you've been given. And you know what? God has something much bigger in mind when he uniquely created you than just comparing and competing. So, so what did God have in mind? Uh, and what does it look like to be a faithful steward of your uniqueness, the, the things that God has gifted you in and how he has wired you? Well, Paul shows us this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You'll Remember the Corinthians, we looked at them two weeks ago when they were uh, eating meat and making bad decisions. And now they're arguing about gifting and spiritual gifts. And they were creating divisions in the church based on their gifting, claiming that certain gifts were better than others. And therefore they were better if they had those certain gifts. They were comparing and competing just like we tend to do today. And so Paul uh, addresses this in, in chapter 12. And he starts by saying this in uh, we're going to start in verse four here. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of, of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. So there's three things here that Paul establishes that are important. First, yeah, there are different gifts. There's different varieties of service, varieties of activities, but they all come from the same source. They all come from God. You have received everything. So boasting as if you did not receive it, it doesn't really make sense. It is all from God. And notice here that in, the, in these descriptions, Paul uses three different words. He uses spirit and then Lord and then God. And what this is, is Paul is referencing the Trinity, what we just sang about a few moments ago, this uh, idea and this fact that there is one God, but he exists as three persons, the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And what you see in the Trinity is that each member is equally God, but they play different roles. You know, the Holy Spirit did not die on the cross. That, that was Jesus. Uh, but likewise, um, you know, when you read in Acts 2, uh, the Holy Spirit comes and fills the apostles. That was the Holy Spirit. That wasn't Jesus. And so you see the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit have different roles, but they're all equal in value. They're not divided 
in any way, you know, the, the Holy Spirit wasn't jealous or something that Jesus got to die on the cross, like, oh, maybe I'm not as good, you know, that, that doesn't exist, they are unified, and so Paul is trying to draw our attention to that as a reminder that, you know, we too have different roles, many gifts, many services, many types of activities that we do, but it's all from the same source, God, and so it's not a cause for division at all, rather it's a, a call to unify around giving glory to, to God and coming together around that. Uh, the second thing that Paul points out is that everyone has a gift. Verse seven, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit. So you see that God gives to all. There's no one here that's on, no one's on the sidelines. Uh, you know, everyone is included. You have been gifted by God and therefore you are a steward. No matter what you feel like, no matter how untalented you may think you are, you are a steward to each is given. And then the last thing we see, the third thing, is that we are each gifted for the common good. And, and the, the word that is translated here literally, literally means to bear or bring together. Quite the opposite of division, isn't it? You see, we're, we're gifted uniquely to, to bless others, to serve each other, to cover for each other's weaknesses, and, and ultimately, you know, work together to advance the gospel and give glory to God. And so you can see in these verses how Paul is rebuking the Corinthians for their attitude. Everyone is gifted, and all gifting comes from the same place, and all gifting is for the same purpose, the common good. You know, claiming that some people are better or some people are worse because they're not gifted in a certain way or they're not quite the same, you know, it just doesn't make sense, does it? You know, rather, God's heart is that we would take the gifts that he has graciously given us and use them together as faithful stewards really extending his grace to those around us, glorifying him. It's, it's 1 Peter 4.10. So in, in the next few verses and the rest of the chapter, Paul kind of paints a, a word picture for us of what this looks like and he uses the analogy of a human body to, to demonstrate what this coming together really uh, practically looks like. And he starts off by saying this, we're gonna look at verse 12. Just as the body is one and has many members and all the, mem and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greek, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So what does this mean? Well, what this is saying is, you know, something happens to us when we become followers of Christ. In one spirit, we were all baptized. We all become part of something bigger. And it's the body of Christ, which Paul is, is going to describe in a little bit. But the idea is, you know, no matter your background, no matter where you came from, and he uses these very different people groups, to, you know, Jews and Greeks, very opposite ends of the spectrum, slaves and free, opposite ends of the spectrum, to say it doesn't matter your background, you all become part of one body. We are, again, unified because of our belief in, in Jesus Christ. So he goes on to say this, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Actually, this kind of humorous picture, I think, the, the body parts are comparing themselves. Um, but we, we do this exact same thing all the time. You know, I'm not a missionary, I'm not a pastor, I'm not talkative enough, I'm not smart enough. All these different things we use to compare ourselves and we feel like, oh, we, we just don't have something to contribute. We don't have a role to play. But you see the principle here. God created both the hand and the foot the ear and the eye, God created some to be 
gifted in, in pastoral work and missionary work, some to be engineers, some to be journalists, no matter what you think, everyone belongs. Everyone has a role to play. Now, why is that? Well, let's read on. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? The whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Again, it's a weird imagery of just, you know, a giant ear walking around, but you see the picture. As it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So you see, they belong because they contribute something that the other parts cannot. Same is true with you. You belong because you contribute something that the others cannot. And so here, Paul is really pointing out the flaw in comparing and competing with our uniqueness. It really kind of assumes that only a certain subset of skills is needed. The rest is, ah, whatever, you know, and not really as important. But that's not true, is it? Again, if using what I mentioned earlier, if everyone were a missionary, well, who would be reaching out in workplaces here and in the U.S.? And if everyone just stayed home, who would be going out to the unreached people? You see, the body of Christ needs to be diverse in the roles that we play. You know, it, that's just the nature of it. And so Paul points us back to God right here in verse 18. God chose to make you the way he made you to fill one of these roles. You know, you have a role to play in extending God's grace. And I don't know about you, that is, that is quite a privilege. That is an honor that God chose you in such a way, uniquely created you to, to play a role. You know, don't, don't let comparison steal that from you. Don't let it deceive you into thinking you don't belong, or maybe someone is, belongs more than you, things like that. God chose each specifically to play a part. Paul goes on and he says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And I, I think that is a incredible word there. You see, the Corinthians thought there, there are some people who were just less important, uh, but they were wrong. Uh, those people they thought were less important were vital to the church. Look at how Paul describes it. On those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And on our un and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which are more presentable presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. Why? That there be, may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. You see, wh why is this? Why did God do it this way? Why didn't he just create a few super Christians who could just do everything and then we all get to watch? Well, God wants our unity. He wants us to come together. He wants us to take care of each other and honor each other, respect each other, value each other, all these different things. We even, when we have this attitude, we get to celebrate each other for what people are doing well and where they're gifted rather than, you know, being, being nervous and threatened by that. When one is honored, we all rejoice, you know, because each person is a beautiful creation that God has created. We're, we're on the same team here. We're pulling together. You know, we win as a team and we lose as a team. And you know what this does? This really just, again, I don't know about you, but hearing this really frees me up because I get focused on the right thing. 
I don't have to be looking over my shoulder all, all the time, you know, jockeying for position, who's going to be the best, who's going to do the most, uh, you know, who's going to be the most important in the church. I don't have to get down on myself. I rather I can just joyfully embrace who it is that God has created me to be. I could just freely be a faithful steward with what I have. And, and again, if Ian comes up to speak and he absolutely kills it, I can rejoice with him because God was glorified. I'm not comparing and competing anymore. It's not actually about me at all. Rather, it is about God and us working together, coming together, bringing all of our uniqueness together to glorify him. That is the focus here. That is what the body of Christ is for. And so Paul ends this chapter by shifting away from the analogy of the body into something more tangible for us. So if you're wondering, so am I the eye, my kneecap? Like it's not, don't worry about that part. Look what Paul says, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles then gifts of healing, helping, administering, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts and I will show you a still more excellent way. So you can see the picture that Paul is painting here. It's just this diverse church they don't have the same role. They all are doing different things. They each have their own gifts, but they're working together as faithful stewards to glorify God and build up a church. And, and this here is not, you know, apostles, prophets, all that. That's, this is not an exhaustive list of, of different gifts. This is representative. So, so think about it for a second. What is your role? You know, how has God uniquely crafted you to be part of the body of Christ and bring him glory? As I said a little earlier, what, what do you have that is indispensable? Now, as you're reading this, you may look at verse 31 and think, what the heck? Higher gifts? That is comparison. Didn't, didn't Paul just like talk about like not, you know, really not comparing? And then he's undermining his entire argument here by talking about higher gifts. Well, no. But what this is, this is just an honest statement. You know what? And, and you know this to be true too. Some people are just smarter. Some people are just more talented. Uh, some people have been gifted in more ways than others. You know, God has all made us all equal in value, um, but not necessarily equal in gifting. And, and you know what? That honestly is his right as, as our creator. Uh, we can't really complain about that. That is just um, what he's chosen to do. Some people are just given more responsibility from God, but you know what, as faithful stewards, uh, they are called to give more by God. They're called to be faithful with what they have, just as the others are called to be faithful as well. You know, faithfulness looks different for each and every person because each and every person is unique. You know, Jesus talks about that in the parable of the talents. You can look that up in uh, Matthew 25. So what you really need to focus on is just answering the question, what does faithfulness look like for me? And it's going to look different for each and every person. Now, Paul here is encouraging us to seek the higher gifts. What does that mean? Well, the spirit of this is not, well, God gave me these gifts, so I'm just going to stay in this box the rest of my life, and, you know, this is just what it is. Well, no, like Paul's encouraging us here, you know, we ought to desire to develop more and more. And again, not in a selfish way. Oh, if I have higher gifts, I will be higher. You know, they'll think of me better. Uh, no, not the point here. Rather with the hope that, you know, we could be used by God in, in different ways more and more, you know, that, that is a noble desire to have. And Paul's, Paul's encouraging that, that you 
um, desire to grow and develop in, in gifting and even in different areas of gifting you may not have discovered yet. Um, you know, th this, this isn't to starve your ambition, um, rather it redirects your ambition. Again, instead of how can I use my gifting to advance myself? What position does this put me in relative to others? No, no. Instead, it's, well, how can I grow and develop my gifting to be a better instrument for God and then better be able to give glory to him? It's a very different mindset. And then there's this last phrase, just an interesting phrase. I will show you a still more excellent way. What, what is Paul getting at here? Well, the next chapter, the next verses, uh, it's chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, the love chapter. We know this, you hear it at wedding, weddings, love is patient, love is kind, is that chapter. Um, you may not have known that Paul talks about it here in the context of spiritual gifting and uniqueness. Um, so why, why is Paul saying that love is the more excellent way in, in this context? Well, let's take a look at the next verses and see. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. The truth is, it doesn't matter how skilled you are if you're not loving others. That just doesn't matter. You know, God could gift you in amazing ways. Look at these examples, being able to speak in the tongues of men, of angels, like what an amazing gift, being able to remove mountains. Uh, but, but if you're not using that in love, you are no better than a, a noisy gong. Uh, we don't have that in the worship team for a reason. You know, you are nothing, the Bible says. And, and motive matters too. Look at verse three. You give away everything, uh, but not in a loving way. Uh, you've gained nothing. The gift is it's wasted. So Paul is saying, yes, desire the higher gifts, but don't get so focused on that that you miss the bigger thing that's going on. More important than just trying to develop a bunch of gifts with where you are, what you have right now, focus on being faithful with that. Focus on lovingly using whatever God has gifted you right now in your, your position in life, the different talents you have. Focus on using that right now in a loving way to build up the church and advance the kingdom of God, giving him glory. Again, it's focusing on being a faithful steward of whatever uniqueness God has given you. Again, what, what does faithfulness look like for you? That's the, that's the big question here. You know what? God, God can choose to give you more later. I mean, he, he, he can gift you more. Uh, that's a huge principle in scripture that those who are faithful with little are, are given more to be faithful with. So keep being faithful. But, you know, love, love in this case, love trumps gifting every time. You know, if a need comes up and you're in a position to fill it, you can't say, oh, sorry, not gifted in service. Uh, we'll have to get someone else on the scene. You know, that's not how it works. Now, there are people, the Bible says service is one of the gifts. There are people who are super gifted in serving. I think the first person who came to mind for me was Aaron Gillum. Uh, super gifted in serving, just knows how to help people and meet their needs and very creative with that. You know, she has a gift in that. But you know what? When I have the opportunity to serve. I'm not calling her and like, Aaron, you gotta get over here quick. You're the only one who can help us. No, like in love, I'm also called to serve and help out. You know, one of the spiritual gifts in scripture is evangelism. Uh, I think we use that excuse all the time, not gifted in it, might mess it up, can't share. That's not being loving to someone though. 
you see why this is important. You don't have to be gifted in evangelism to share the gospel with someone or share what Christ has done in your life. You do have to be looking to love them though. You can see that's the difference. There are some people out there and throughout history, you know, like the Billy Grahams who are just gifted evangelists. You, you may not be called to something like that, but we are all called to share Jesus with others. We are all called to serve. We're all called to make disciples. Uh, love is the glue that holds this all together. If you're not acting in love, you're missing the point. And that's why this is here, here, right after uh, um, chapter 12. And so, you, you know, the next verses, it's the list of what love looks like. And really what this is, this is a list that describes what a good member of the body of Christ looks like. This is what faithful stewardship looks like. Are you being patient, kind, not boasting, again, not comparing, not competing? You know, it doesn't matter if you're the eye, the hand, it doesn't matter what body part you are. It doesn't matter if you have a couple small little gifts or if you are talented beyond belief. Everyone can love and we're all called to do that. We all have a part we can play. And if we're not loving, the gift is wasted. We're not, we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. So you can see the picture that God is painting here through, through Paul's letter and how different it is than what, the, what was happening in the church uh, in Corinth. You know, in Corinth, there were a group of individuals, talented, yes, gifted, yes, diverse, yes, but not loving. They were comparing and competing. They were creating divisions. They were trying to get ahead of each other. They were not, they were not unified. Now, contrast that to the picture that God paints of the body of Christ. Talented, yes. Gifted, yes. Diverse, yes. And most importantly, loving, looking to love each other, using their gifting as faithful stewards of God's grace with love as their guide on how to do that. So, you know, the, the real question is, what group would you rather be a part of? And I would say even more important is what group are you currently having a hand in creating here, here in challenge? You know, you, you are, uh, you know, challenge is part of the body of Christ. How are you contributing to that? Are you creating division because you are comparing and competing? Or are you really looking to unify, uh, to, to give glory to God with, with whatever role he has given you to play? You know, next week, uh, Jeremy is going to speak more on how you can discover your gifting and learn from examples around you and, and all like that, all stuff like that. But tonight, I'm just going to leave you uh, with this question and challenge you to think through this, bring it before God. What does faithfulness look like for you right now? Because each of you has something to contribute. Each of you has something to be faithful with. Each of you is a steward of something that God has given you, probably many things. And also tonight, you know, as, as a group here at Christian Challenge, let's all work to lay aside comparing and competing. That has no place in the body of Christ. That is only going to create division. Instead, let's look to be, as Paul describes the body of Christ here in 1 Corinthians, let's glorify God together. Let's pull together to do that, putting our attention on him, not on each other, but on him. And really, let's, let's be faithful stewards of our uniqueness. All right, let me pray for us. God, thank you that uh, you uh, care enough and love us enough to, uh, one, create us uniquely and give us different giftings, and two, give us this text so that we know what to do with that. Um, thank you for the picture you painted here through Paul's letter. Thank you, God, that you've called us to something much bigger, 
um, we're not individuals, we're part of uh, just this beautiful story that you're telling. So I pray God that we would really be aware of that and God that you would make it very clear to each and every one of us tonight what you want from our lives, what, what role we are called to play, how you have uniquely gifted us to do that, God. So we, we, we look to you, we praise you because we are faithfully, um, fearfully and wonderfully made and we, we just praise you for that, God. So I thank you so much for that truth and thank you so much just for, for your love and the grace you've given to us. And we pray these things in your name, amen. Thanks for listening to the USA Christian Challenge podcast. You can subscribe and listen to new and old episodes on your favorite podcast platforms. And if you like what you heard, leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps us to reach others with these resources. Once again, you can learn more about us at uscchristianchallenge.com or find us on social media at USC Challenge.